So thinking about that word heirs, let me start out, let me ask you a question. Have you ever, you ever go to somebody's house, maybe it's a, a, a friend or an acquaintance, or maybe you go on a trip and you stay in with someone in their place, and, and you're, just, you're just a little kind of different than you are in your own home, aren't you? I mean, you, you're, you're maybe a little bit nervous or shy to ask for too many things. You don't want to just go in and kind of make yourself at home. Possibly you just kind of, you keep quiet. You do things a little bit differently than you would do in your own place. Unless you're Jake when you're at my house, then it's a little bit different. There's no, no sense of that whatsoever. He comes in, throws his feet right up in my, my recliner, and he just lets it be. So anyway, uh, but does anybody, can you relate, right? You're just, you're a little different when you're in someone else's place and you, you treat it differently. There's almost uh uh, a little bit of a, a shyness or a reservedness, let's say, that you, you carry with you. And I would just open up in, in this point today that in our world, there are a lot of believers, a lot of people who are approaching the Christian life a little like this, this very sort of reservedness, uh, shyness, like kind of hold back, don't, don't really... Um, fully step into the, the, the authority and the right that's been given to them through what Christ Jesus has done for us. And, and of course, when we're in someone else's home, that's the right way to be, right? We're courteous and we're respectful. But when it comes to the life that we're called to live as believers, there ought to be a boldness and a strength and a, a claiming of the things that God has died for us to have as it pertains to promises and our authority that we see in the Bible. And I think that we, we see a lot of, of Christian believers today who approach this Christian life with way too much of a timidity, of a reservedness, of a kind of staying back, just an awkwardness, not really stepping into that full right or that authority that we have. Now, Paul uses this word in this scripture here. He uses the word heirs. Heirs. It's very interesting because the word heirs, if you look at it and study it in the Greek, it basically means someone who is a rightful inheritor of something. A rightful inheritor of something. Now, this, in my opinion, is one of the most important words or analogies that we see Paul use to describe who we are, our identity as Christians, right, as children of God, that this word heirs is one of those most important words to really grasp and get a full perspective of, wow, that's really the way I ought to live my life as a believer in Christ. That's really the way God is calling me and, and pulling at me to walk in the purpose and destiny that he has for me. As an heir, as an heir, you act differently when you are a family member or you know that you have full rights to something, do you not? I mean, in my own home, it's crazy, but my kids don't actually ask me to use their own room. You know, I mean, they don't ask permission to go in their room. I mean, in fact, they're kind of getting a little snipping out of the point where, hey, dad, you know, you're in my room. Can you knock first, please? I mean, did you see the sign on the door that says keep out? Yeah, they got the signs and stuff. We got to fix that. That's that's but. But they they're they and it's interesting. They actually don't even really think about this stuff. 
hmm, powerful. It's almost a reflective way that they, it, they just automatically live because they know it's theirs. They know it's, they own it. They know they're my children and they have rights and they have authority. It's their place and they can use it to the fullness that we have the ability to use that. Heirs, Paul says that we are. Not, not uh, non-family members. When we look at this word heir, it means to, to actually have like familial status. You are a part of the bloodline. You are a part of the ancestry. And so because of that, it, what comes along with it is all of the rights that that family bloodline means for you, right? Like I am a heck. There's nothing that anyone can do to change that. It's always going to be that way. There are certain implications, certain heritages, certain history, certain experiences, lineage that will always be the case. And I just, I kind of know that. I just accept that. And so there's never any doubt or timidity or shine away from that. Does that make sense? And so Paul's saying here that we're heirs. Now think about just, just some points to consider about an inheritance and what that means. First of all, and in, when you look at what an inheritance is, it's something that has been left to you. Get this. It's something that someone else has already paid a price for and it's something that there's nothing that you could do to earn. Now, I don't know about you, but that starts to give me a pretty powerful picture and perspective of the way Jesus is calling us to live this life that he has died for us to have. You see, the, the, he's already paid the price for us to have familial status. Are you with me? When he died on the cross and was risen from the dead and conquered death, the Bible says that we, are, we freely receive that gift of salvation and the purpose and destiny that comes with that. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. It passes to us because we are what the Bible tells us, heirs. Heirs. Guys, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we know that the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, and we are, from what the Bible tells us, born again. And then Peter talks about this. He says that when the Spirit of God is in us, we are partakers of the divine nature, which basically means that we now have that holy DNA. We are in the family of God. We are sons and daughters. And since we now enter into the family, we're a part of that heritage now, that lineage, then that means we have all the rights and all the authority and all the inheritance that passes to us, unmerited, unearned, already paid for, freely given, because we step into our identity as a son or a daughter of Christ. There's a full inheritance that passes to us in the moment that Christ comes to live on the inside of us. I don't know about you, but that's pretty powerful to me. Now, I want you to think about in, in terms of inheritance. And, I, you know, Paul uses these words because he knows that it paints a picture that we can really relate to and that we can understand. And anytime you make 
comparisons or use analogies. It's to help us just get an understanding of something at a deeper level so that we can walk in a more regular and ongoing awareness of that thing. So think about this with inheritance. Number one is we become, first thing happens is we become heirs, which is kind of like what I just talked about, that, that we are heirs by proof of our bloodline of our ancestry and we're all we're, we're in the family and so there's an inheritance that passes through so that's number one number two is that then we begin to actually understand our rights and our privileges after we receive the inheritance now this is where I think I really want to plow ground today and really want to dig into because if you let's say you just received a, a big inheritance from a family member. Now, it, let's just be honest here, okay? If you just received a big inheritance, would you or would you not be very interested to find out just exactly what you've inherited? Would you or would you not? Let's say you, you would you not go sit down with the attorney and examine the will and you'd probably take get a hold of those documents and begin to sift through them to really understand what's fully yours because get this guy see you know something has happened you know that you received something but you don't necessarily know the depths and the fullness and the intricacies of what it is that you've actually received would you just step back and say oh great i've inherited something and then just let that be no you would want to dig into that and find out what exactly is it that i have rights to now what exactly is it that i have privileges and ownership of and responsibilities for i mean of course we would want to dig in and we would furiously read and examine to understand and not just take someone else's word for it or treat it as a low priority. Yeah, I'll get to that one day. I mean, this is something that would grab a hold of us and we would want to really dig into to fully understand and know. And whenever it comes to our receiving what Christ has died for us to have, are you with me on, on this? Then when we receive our salvation, and we know that the Spirit of Christ is in us. God's given us something called His Word that lays out and outlines the fullness of all of these rights and privileges and promises that He died for us to have. Ought we not be the same way as we would with a, with a worldly inheritance where we say, I got to know what I've got, baby. I got to know what it is that this means for me. This is going to change my life. I know that I've received something. I know that something has shifted and changed and passed to me. But until I really understand the details and the fullness of it, it's not something that I can take action upon. Wow. Wow. Which is number three is that once we understand our rights and privileges, that we begin to apply or enforce our rights upon that knowledge that we've obtained. You find out you own a home in Hawaii, guess what you can now do? You can go to that home in Hawaii. I know I'm kind of making this simple, but listen, if you had received an inheritance and you didn't know that a part of that inheritance was a home in Hawaii, what would you, how would you enjoy it? 
How would you go to it? How would you walk in and say, I own this place, man. This is mine now, right? As you open that word of God and the spirit himself speaks to you and gives you revelation and understanding about, yes, not only are you my child, but you have this and you have that and you have this and you can do that. And all of these things that changes everything about the way that we would move forward, act and live. And I would just say that there's many times people receive an inheritance and they've got all of these treasures that they may never actually enforce or apply in their own lives. Isn't it true? And number four is once you begin to enforce those rights, there are, there are ultimate governing authorities that uphold your rights. If something is passed to you, you say, that's mine. That is, I've received that because I'm an heir to that inheritance. And you go to that home in Hawaii and somebody says, oh no, this isn't your home. Well, you say, you say well, yes it is. This is my home. Why, why would you say that? Why would you be so bold about that? One, because you know you're an heir to that home. And two, because you've examined the documents that prove it. And you now you didn't just hear about it from somebody. You've actually internalized it and you know it to be the case. And then if somebody challenges that, what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, I'll just get the police down here and we'll see what happens. We'll see about that. And then the ultimate governing authorities that uphold that contract, that agreement, are going to get behind you and say, no, he is who it says he's saying he is. You have to leave. You can't stay here. This is his place. Do you understand? Guys, when it comes to the word of God, the, word, the promises and the privileges that we have, God is the ultimate governing authority. He will uphold everything that it says in his word about what you have and who you are when you move in faith and you act upon that. When the devil tries to say, no, you can't do this, and you're moving in faith according to what the word says, God says, oh, yes, he can. Oh, yes, she can. That's my son. That's my daughter. They're an heir. Here's the word. This is what truth is. Yes, they can absolutely tell you to flee. Yes, they can absolutely speak to sickness. Yes, they can absolutely speak to poverty. Yes, they can because they're an heir and I say they can. Are you, oh, my gosh. But listen. There are a lot of rights and privileges that pass to us when we become heirs of, of this inheritance and of salvation. But it's possible for many of them to, 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 be, to remain unknown to us and most certainly unapplied in our lives. And this is tough stuff to think about. What, what really a tragedy, right? To have all of these great treasures, but yet live in such a way as if we never had them at all. What, what a tragedy to have homes and, and things, and yet some stranger comes in and occupies and rules the place and we never even get to enjoy it. The devil would love for you to never fully uncover the depths and the riches of the promises of God for your life. He would love for you to go 
unknowing about all the things that Jesus died for you to have. He knows that the word of God is the key to the revelation in our lives of what it is that we have as believers. And he would love nothing more than for us to not explore and not to walk into and never exercise those rights and privileges. Because he knows if we do, that he, there's a governing authority that, that is God that will tell him he has to uphold and honor what those rights and privileges say that we have. He would love nothing more for that. There's so much, guys. There, there, there's so much more to our inheritance that we receive as heirs than, than, we will, than we will ever really be able to sound the depths of. That's just a fact. But that doesn't mean that we aren't to live our lives striving to know more and more of the things of God and the purposes and the promises and the destiny that he has for each and every one of us every single day. I don't know about you, but it's really the ultimate driving thing in my life. What is the fullness of this purpose and plan and destiny, God, that you've called me to? Because I wanna walk in it in fullness as much as I can every single day. And did you know in the word, God, word of God, guys, it is full, it is complete, it is lacking nothing. So what does that mean? That means that it contains everything, let me repeat, everything that you will ever need for any situation that you will ever go through in your entire life here on earth or eternally. It's not lacking anything. God didn't leave anything out. He made sure every part of what we needed to know was in that word for us to be able to grab onto so that he could reveal the fullness of the promises and the purpose that he has for us. Now, human nature, and, and let me know if you feel this, if you do these things too, human nature is we tend to want the things that we really can't have and we tend to overlook the significance of the things that we actually do have. Is anybody couple people okay okay you got I'm throwing myself under the bus and you guys are just letting me get run over here okay all right does anybody else do that I mean you know we you, you we tend to want the things that we maybe can't have and, and that's the flesh that's the flesh pulling at the worldly things and the desire we pastor a perfect church babe everybody's great here no we we want the flesh wants to have what it what it can't have and yet we know that everything we need, we already actually have. You get me? It's there. It's in the Word. It's there. We have everything we need. We're lacking nothing. We just have to get revelation and uncover it, allow it to become faith in us so that we can then act upon it and then God will uphold it. It's all there. But we tend to necessarily sometimes overlook that and we want to we move towards things that we, we uh, can't have. I know my son, Dax, he... Uh, He's about ready to turn one. We actually have one to turn three today. Donovan's birthday's tomorrow. So just happy birthday to everybody here. It's, we got our famous athlete back there. So Dax, he's got these little toys, right? He doesn't necessarily know what these toys do. He, he, he plays with it for a little bit, and then he gets bored and he's done with it, and he wants to move on to something else, usually something he can't have. <laughs> like, you know, when your kid starts getting mobile, like everything elevates in the house by about two or three feet. Right, you, you get shelves all of a sudden, like halfway around 
the, the house everywhere. And so he's got a couple of these little toys that he he plays with for a little bit and then he's done with and he goes over to something he's not supposed to have. And so I'll come, Dax, Dax, come here. You know, buddy, look, sit down, check out this. Because he hasn't even really found out what this thing does. Like, you know, look, press this button. All of a sudden this thing opens up or this thing pops out. You turn this wheel and it makes this fun noise or you, you move this button and all of a sudden this music comes on. And I sit him down and I show him more of what this thing can do. And all of a sudden he's like, pushes away what he had and he's back you know he sees something that he didn't see before in it there's so much more to this thing than he ever imagined at the surface because he 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 saw it he had it for a minute and then he moved on but listen everything that the bible says and gives us it's full in it's so deep in its depth of what it has to offer for us that we ought not to move on to something that the world has to offer. We ought to mine deeper into that thing which God has given to us. And then he says, this is everything that you're ever going to need. Now, I just want to go through an, one example with you because I feel like th this is the kind of point that is going to really benefit us to unpack a little bit. But take the concept of grace, for example. Grace. Everybody has heard that word. Grace is great. I'm glad that we have grace. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. We need to give grace, right? It's one of those things that at the surface, we can kind of think we have a hold of it or a grip on it or an understanding of it. And, and then we can kind of move on, right? Paul, he was saying in, in the book of Corinthians, he was caught talking to God saying, hey, God, I need this. I need that. I need you to take this thing away from me. And what did God say? He said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. You have everything that you need. So God made a point to Paul. He's saying, look, you're not lacking anything. You actually have everything that you need already by what I've given you in the fullness of those promises. So take this word grace. Look at this, for example. When you think about grace, first of all, what grace means, as we're digging deeper into this, is by grace, first, we actually have forgiveness of our sins. It's because of grace that we have forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace wow so by grace i am forgiven of my sin powerful then you look at by grace we have salvation ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and verse 9 say for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest anyone should boast wow this concept of grace is getting deeper than i even imagined like i have grace from god and what does grace do grace is how i'm forgiven of my sins i have salvation now take a look at this by grace i have a divine calling and purpose for my life second timothy chapter one Verse 9, according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So by grace, I have forgiveness of sins and I have salvation and I have a holy calling, a purpose and a destiny. Take a look at Romans chapter 12. Verse 5 says, So we, being many, 
are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. By grace, I have gifts now to walk out this holy calling and purpose in life that God has given me. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So by grace, I have an empowerment to walk out this holy calling and to use these gifts that God has given me. Now, I don't know if you were following with me through all that, but here's what I'm trying to get across. The concept of grace is so much deeper than what we really could grasp at the surface level. But when we explore in the fullness of God's word, this idea of we have grace, can you not see? You have everything that it is that you need. By grace, you were forgiven, you were saved, you were called into a purpose and a destiny and given gifts to accomplish that and an empowerment to walk it out. Everything that we need is in the word of God. It's not in the world. It's not out there. Everything that we need to understand our rights, our authority, our privileges, our full inheritance. It's right here. It's right here. How hungry are you for this? How hungry are you? See, I'm, I'm just a guy. I'm just a pastor. I'm just a guy telling you about these things. Just trying to help you, stir you up a little bit. But really what, what I want is for you to go and dig into that, to grab on and let the word of God become life to you so that you get the revelation of these things for yourself so that you have a faith that applies these principles, these authorities, these privileges and these promises in your own life so that you can walk out the fullness of the destiny that God has called you to. That's what I want. That's, that's my calling as a pastor is to help you to be hungry for what it is that God has to say because here's what I understand. There's a difference in hearing about something, hearing someone talk about something, and then it bringing maybe some initial immediate results, some kind of short-term benefits, versus that thing actually being internalized in you and becoming a part of how you live your life and it's sustainable. You can always tell, guys, you can always tell when someone has not really internalized the word of God and they've only reacted to what they heard a pastor or someone say because there's some benefit in it initially. There's some excitement and there's some joy. But if they're not rooted, if the thing didn't get down in them and become a faith in them that they own that thing, when challenges come that threaten that, they're not going to stand on faith in it because it's not down in there. They're going to begin to doubt and so the rights and the privileges will go unexercised. It's kind of like if you come home and there's strangers in your house and they say, get out of here. We own this place. This is ours. What are you doing here? You're not coming in. And you say, oh, oh God, I thought I lived here. I'm sorry. I'm, excuse me, sir. I apologize. Oh, where, where am I going to go? I, I thought that was my home. It's not my home now. It seems ludicrous, doesn't it? You come into an encounter enemy is at your doorstep he's going to bring opposition he will 
to stop the purposes of God from advancing in your life? Do you understand? You have to have a response of faith for that. You have to be able to respond, not from a worldly knowledge, not from a fleshly strength, but from a supernatural empowerment that is rooted and exists firmly in the word of God that is passed to you by right because of what Jesus has done. That's what you have to have. And you can always tell when people go through these situations and they'll have some initial benefits and then all of a sudden the challenges get harder and, and the word of God is not rising up out of them and the promises and authority are not being exercised. And they're just like the person that shows up to the home they thought they owned and the devil says, now nah, I'm going to take this from you. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rip that away from you. You're not going to be blessed here. You're not going to... You're not going to uh, be provided for here. You're, you're not going to be healthy. You're not going to be strong. You're not going to be healed. No. Oh, I was, oh, no, I'm sorry. When we respond, people respond in a way where it's, it's not in them. They heard about it. Get it? They heard about it. It sounded good. But listen, I'm just here to lead you into this. I'm just here to steer you. I'm just here to spur you on, as the Bible said into the good things of God. You gotta get a hold of this for yourself. You've gotta internalize it. You gotta hear the voice of God yourself and be getting these things rooted in you. What does James say? James says in James chapter one, verse 21, he says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Not just hearers only. It starts when you hear it. It begins there. But he says implanted, meaning that word doesn't just tickle your ears. It just, it doesn't stimulate you at the surface level, which is the physical or emotional man. God wants to get that living word down in your spirit, man, the deepest part of you. And the Bible says that uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so when the word gets down in there, because it says hear, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it produces a substance in you residing in you that you could stand on firm footing and ground to move in faith against to get footing against whatever opposition the enemy brings to your doorstep that's what we've got to have guys we've got to have the word implanted in our soul so that in our times of trial in our times of trouble that we have a response that is flowing up out of the very identity that christ died for us to have the authority and the privileges and the benefits and the rights and everything that comes along with it. You have everything that you need for this life on earth and the life eternally after in that world. It's all there. Nothing is lacking. I'll close with this. He said, God is the ultimate governing authority who stands behind his children to uphold the rights and ensure that they are enforced. Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 12. This is in the NIV version. We'll close with this so you can go ahead and stand to your feet. The prophet Jeremiah. God is speaking directly to him. Here's what the Lord says. You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. 
am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. See, as we move in faith as heirs, family of God, full rights, privileges, and authorities, God is standing right with us every step of the way, if you will, to see that everything that that word says that is in us coming out of us is enforced. He's the ultimate governing authority for all of heaven and all of earth. And I don't know about you, I don't want anybody else filling that role for me. He says what is and what isn't. He looks to things that don't exist and calls to them as they as if they do. Everything in his word is what we need to fully live the life that he's called us to live. We talk about destiny and purpose and calling here a lot. Rightly so. Please understand that everything in its fullness, lacking nothing about what we need to walk that life out, it's all here from front to back. And it never gets old, it never gets stale. It goes deeper and deeper and deeper every time you pick it up. You can't stop at the surface and you'll never mind the full depths of it. But it's there. And if we ought to have a hunger and a passion that's driving our lives, to live our purpose, ought it not be to fully grab on and understand what all the things that this word says we have? If you had an inheritance book that passed to you that was this thick, I'm just supposing that there's few people that would just let that thing sit and never dig in to all the things that someone else died for them to have and paid a price for them to inherit. And that they have a life left to enjoy and use all those privileges and things that have passed to them. Let it be for us that the word of God is something we hunger for and we thirst for on a daily basis. Every time you open it up, God is faithful to speak, he's faithful to lead, he's faithful to guide, he's faithful to reveal. He is the revealer. And so I just want to encourage you today. You are an heir. You have holy DNA if Christ is living on the inside of you. You are a son or a daughter of God, the creator of heaven and earth, which means you have everything that he says you have and you are everything that he says you are and you can do everything that he says you can do he will uphold every promise and declaration that he makes to you in his word as you apply those promises in your life by faith